Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time. Fearscape Media Network is your new home for everything weird and enlightening. Check out podcasts and YouTube shows covering content from discussions on horror films to the paranormal to meditation. Find out more at fearscapemedia.com. Welcome, everyone, to Unsensitive, a show where we take a subject, talk with an expert, and break it down with questions that might be normally too impolite to ask. I'm your host, Ray Robinson. And huge headlines were made in December that the House of Representatives passed a motion to decriminalize marijuana-related offenses, which has slowly but steadily bolstered uh, the march towards legalization of it nationwide. As of right now, 20 U.S. states have legalized medical marijuana and 15 have legalized recreational use. And many of these states have seen financial gains as a result. Uh, yet some still have an adverse reaction to making it legal for a variety of reasons, health concerns, impaired or criminal judgment, the addiction, they all seem to be at the heart of it. So here today to talk about, uh, to separate the truth and the fiction about cannabis is Mary Jane Maven. Mary Jane, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So uh, I hate to do the cliche, tell me about yourself, but, but I would like to know uh, a little bit more about what makes you the, the expert on this subject. Well, um, you know, I'm an Aries, so I, I will never have a problem with talking about myself. <laughs> so you can ask me that anytime, though. Um, the, uh, you know, what, what it is, is, you know, I want to first start by saying I'm not a, a medical, you know, expert by any means that, you know, I don't have a, um, you know, I haven't gone to medical school or, you know, done any type of medical research. This is more based off of my expertise and my maveness, I'll say, is definitely built more upon my personal experience. Mm-hmm. I am somebody who does have a medical ailment of sorts. I'd like to say that multiple sclerosis lives with me. Um, I don't say that I have it. I don't like to claim it in that way. But I've been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis since 2006. And um, using cannabis is something that has helped me to maintain the quality of life that I, you know, have always wanted for myself and that I deserve um, and has allowed me to stay healthy. Um, So I just want to kind of preface it with that. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a little bit about me is that I come from a background of being in corporate um, sales. Um, you know, doing the normal thing, doing what we're supposed to do, going to school, you know, going to college, getting a great career. And all of those things were, you know, falling in line for me. Um, great family, great friends, uh, awesome husband, you know, great kids. By all means, everything was fantastic. Um, but there was just something that was missing. I knew that I wasn't actually, what I like to say is living in my purpose and within mm-hmm. my passion. I was doing what, you know, I thought I was supposed to do. And um, it was through the use of cannabis, you know, with me being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and actually the help of a book, which is The Alchemist, um, that I kind of had a just a brief change on my mindset and just really discovering what my true purpose and passion was within this universe and what I was supposed to be doing every day, which was more of sharing my story and, and one, being an entrepreneur, 
um, but sharing my story with cannabis, how it has helped to improve and elevate my life as a mother, um, as a wife, um, as a friend, as a daughter. I mean, just as every in, in every aspect of my life. And, and once again, it's also helped me within my my own you know uh, medical ailment with multiple sclerosis. Um, what I believe is very important is the education aspect of it. You know, in order for us to normalize cannabis the way that it should be, and for people to feel empowered to be able to make the uh, the choice themselves on whether they're going to live a you know cannabis lifestyle, um, whether they're going to improve their health and wellness through the use of cannabis, in order for people to feel empowered enough to do that, they need to be educated. We need to eradicate all of the stigmas, you know, that's surrounded around cannabis. You know, the you're a Jeff Spicoli type of character. You know, the you're not an integral part of society. You know, you're not somebody that participates or gives anything to you know society um, because you use cannabis. Those are all falsehoods. And I want to be able to eradicate those stigmas as well as the stigmas that it's not healthy or that it is not a power flower which it is, like I like to refer to, refer to it. Um, there are so many things that this can, it can help to normalize the health of so many. Um, it can help many social injustices and a lot of social issues, a lot of equity issues that, that we face as a society, um, as well as it can help a lot of issues of the gaps in, in wealth, you know, between the different, you know, parts of our society, um, whether that be financial wise, or whether that be, uh, you know, based on your ethnicity, um, it can definitely help to just bridge those gaps and kind of close them as well. And the, and the way that it can do that is through the use of it and all of the many ways that it can be used. Um, so that is just a brief kind of synopsis of why I do what I do. I, like I said, I have a personal story involved. And it is more than just something that I'm interested in. It is my true purpose to be able to help to normalize the plant um, and normalize the industry. Now, you actually already kind of touched on where I want to go with maybe my first question here, and that is uh, uh, the medical benefits of it. You had mentioned that uh, you you do you live with multiple sclerosis, which I think yes. is an awesome term. I've never heard that. I'm going to start using it with some of my own things that, that I deal yes. with. I know my yes. wife does too. <clears throat> but um, But my first question really kind of boils down to, does cannabis really actually improve your situation or does it mask some of the symptoms and just keep them hidden and manageable or does, or is, uh, is it actually doing something to improve you uh, or only when you are imbibing or is, I guess imbibing is probably the right word. I wouldn't know. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, I know ex exactly what you mean. And it is definitely um, for me personally um, with multiple sclerosis, it is not something that masks. It actually is something that I, I believe has slowed the progression um, right. of the illness. Yes. Wow. Um, because, you know, with cannabis, you have what a lot of people are very familiar with now is CBD. Yes. CBD, CBN, um, you know, there's, there's different components. There's different cannabinoids that the, the flower and the plant are made up of. And it, we're finding that the CBD, the CBN, CBG, there's different, and like I said, there's different ones. Those definitely help a lot of medical um, ailments. So with multiple sclerosis, it helps with inflammation, which is a very common, very common 
um, you know, issue that many of us deal with. Um, you know, it helps with uh, nausea. It helps with the the lack of, of of an appetite. You know, so for people that have something more serious, such as cancer, um, it definitely helps terminal patients. It helps them to live a better quality of life for the time that they're here. It, you know, for me, it has, like I said, it's helped to alleviate and it's helped to stop the progression of a lot of different um, of you know a lot of different side effects that could come up. Everybody's multiple sclerosis is different. Not one person's are the same. Um, we all have different degrees of, I don't want to say disability, but de uh, debilitating type of effects. Mm -hmm. So whether it be visual, whether it be, um, you know, within your walking, whether it be within your cognitive ability, you know, that it, it runs the gamut. And cannabis, whether it's in the THC form, whether it's in the CBD form, it has been known and has shown to help people and to, like I said, once again, to slow the progression of said, you know, side effects. In many other type of ailments, for example, I can definitely attest to um, my grandmother, who is 80 plus years old. Um, it definitely, she was somebody, well, she is somebody who is, you know, very, very religious, um, you know, believes in the Bible, lives by the Bible and, you know, cannabis to her is much like it was to so many for, for decades. You know, it was a drug. It was a bad thing. There was no benefit out of it. I was able to, through education and getting her to understand, to get her to stop using some of the big pharma that she was using and to start using, uh, replacing some of that with CBD um, and a little bit of THC. So, that has helped her in, in some of her ailments that have to do with like hip problems, you know, knee problems, um, some cognitive problems because my grandfather, you know, left us a few years ago and, and she's, you know, dealing with that. So it is definitely, I've been able to see that it's definitely helped to alleviate uh, issues that she's had. And that's why we see such a huge market of, um, or see a huge target area of the market being baby boomers and older because they're the ones that at this time are really wanting to get away from big pharma and they're looking for an alternative and they're finding that cannabis and the cannabinoids that are associated are the answer for them. Uh, so it's, it's many positive things. And I, I solely believe in the fact that it helps to improve the quality of life. So whether that is temporarily masking or taking care of you know, um, a side effect or a symptom, or it is long-term, it's a benefit. Just out of curiosity, how long have you been uh, utilizing cannabis? I have been utilizing cannabis for 20 years. 20 years, um, oh, wow. Yeah, 20 years. Okay, so you're probably really qualified to answer this then. Um, there's a lot of folks that think that uh, marijuana is an addictive substance. W is that actually true? Or is that uh, some of that 60s propaganda, reefer madness uh, stuff that, uh, that, that folks tried to get, uh, get uh, the government tried to get people to not use it? Yes, you know, and my personal experience, because there's been times when I was utilizing recreationally, college mm -hmm. days before, you know, being diagnosed. And there were times that uh, my husband and I, who was my boyfriend then, we were just like, you know what, we need a break. You know, let's just go ahead and, and take a bit of a break. Maybe it was finals time or, you know, it was just a time that we felt like, you know, we just wanted to cut off anything that wasn't just focusing on school. And it was easy for me to do. Uh, I don't believe that for myself, it is addictive. 
I do believe what can be addictive is the manner of which people choose to, to smoke it, for example. Um, if you're using tobacco um, type products, that's where it becomes addictive because you become addicted to the tobacco just like you would in you know, cigarette based. Mm-hmm. So I believe that that's kind of the addictive, addictive, addictive aspect. I believe if you are of age where you are, your brain is still developing. So let's, you know, especially during the, the adolescent years, that's why I believe it be, can become addictive because your brain hasn't developed and you haven't matured enough yet to be able to handle uh, utilizing a, a medicine such as cannabis. Um, I believe that that's when it can get addictive because, you know, there's so many different um, aspects of what makes somebody responsible and what makes it, you know, something that people can still be functional and, you know, integral parts of society as adults. You don't have that when you're an adolescent. You don't have those, those certain abilities and aspects and, uh, you know, manners of thinking and critical thinking skills. So I do believe that it can become addictive in that, in that manner. I do believe that it can become addictive as well. If you do already have a chemical imbalance, that is where I do believe that it should not be utilized because we don't know how cannabis will work with uh, certain chemical imbalances and um, certain you know, emotional, I wanna say emotional and uh, cognitive kind of issues that, you know, that we kind of deal with now and that are becoming much more um, uh, much more, I don't want to say relevant, but we're, we're paying much more attention to mental health and things like that now. So yeah. when, you know, when that comes into play, um, then I believe that cannabis is something that should not be utilized. Um, because like I said, chemical imbalances in the brain, it's so powerful and we don't really fully understand how it works in 100% of, of, you know, it's, it's capacity yet. So, until that research is done, I feel comfortable in saying that if somebody comes to me and uh, says, hey, you know, I'm having a little bit of emotional issues um, and I want to start using cannabis, I would definitely recommend that that's something that they would not do until they have it worked out, you know, with their regular practitioner or doctor. Um, As far as any, you know, mental, you know, or like I said, in anything along that route, any mental health kind of issue. Um, or any kind of, uh, like I said, brain or chemical kind of imbalance. That's where I would kind of stay off. Yeah, that's why I would think it kind of triggers some type of addictive, you know, behavior. Something else that kind of comes to mind is uh, I've heard, uh, especially politicians, uh, there was one in particular, I can't remember the name of, but he had mentioned that uh, that they're, uh, when they were talking about legalization, he had mentioned overdosing on cannabis. And I've heard a lot of people say, that's not possible. The only thing you'd overdose on is the Funyuns that you eat afterward. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is, is that accurate? Can you overdose on uh, cannabis? I have myself have never heard of anybody overdosing on cannabis. Mm-hmm. I have heard of individuals, you know, maybe eating edibles and eating them where they didn't microdose appropriately. And so they maybe had a little too much where they became extra paranoid and kind of, you know, started to have a panic attack, but nothing where anyone has overdosed where they've had to be rushed to, you know, emergency room um, and be treated for an overdose of marijuana. I have okay. never, I, I've never heard of that. Um, I've never even seen any research or, you know, anything. I definitely think that's a little bit of the rhetoric that has, um, you know, and that narrative that has stayed around from the reefer madness days and from the, you know, the, 
the scare tactics that they <laughs> implemented. <laughs> well, speaking along those lines, uh, something else that uh, uh, t- typically gets thrown about is that it's a gateway drug to harder, uh, harder drugs, cocaine, heroin, hash, uh, probably things I've never even heard of. Um, how accurate have you found that to be? I don't believe that that it's a gateway drug. I believe that, the, I, I really don't believe that there are such things as gateway drugs. I believe that there are, there's people that are predisposed um, to, to being addictive and having an addictive personality. And I think anything that you put in front of them is going to open up that opportunity or that gateway for them to go to something else. I believe it's your, your surroundings. I believe, like I said, it's your mindset. I believe it's your situation. Those are the things that lead to being you know, kind of gateways to other things. I really don't see it as somebody going, oh, you know what, um, I smoke. Because I'll be very, very honest with you. It takes a very long time for you to build up your tolerance. Yeah. And the way that marijuana is now, the, the THC levels are so much higher than what they were. And you have different forms of, you know, the plant now that you utilize. So concentrates are much higher um, than maybe flour. You know, edibles have a different aspect or a different effect. Um, you know, now beverages are becoming huge. You can infuse, you know, coco- coconut oil and cook with it. So there's so many different ways that you're able to utilize the plant and get different effects. So I've never, I've never run into anybody that said, you know what, I don't feel like I'm, I'm it's getting me anymore. I'm going to go ahead and try Coke. Never. Um, so that's that's an interesting uh, leap to make too. I just it's like yeah, I've been I've been puffing on this. I've been eating these brownies. No, let's yeah. just shove some white crystal up my nose. Let's try that let's now. That. Something that's not yeah, something that doesn't grow from the you know the earth. Let's go and just jump over to that. I mean, I like I said, I believe that there are so many other you know components that comprise and make somebody or make it possible for somebody to be led down the pathway of of gateway drugs. Uh, one of the other things that uh, tends to come up, especially when they get into the legal conversations about uh, whether or not to uh, legalize it medically, recreationally, both, neither, is that uh, cannabis use uh, is correlated towards um, criminal behavior, whether it's the selling, the uh, maybe driving under the influence of it, mm-hmm. uh, maybe corrupting children by uh, offering them a free joint, which I don't know of anybody that would give away their stuff for free. free joints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, are you kidding? This cost me 10 bucks a, a, a Grammy or whatever. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but have you uh, in any of your research and looking up of information or just following, uh, following just from your personal knowledge, even has there been any kind of correlation between cannabis and criminal use, uh, cannabis use and criminal behavior. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, you know, and in um, any type of research or any type of review of anything, if, if you want your point to be made, you're going to find statistics to make your point seem relevant. Mm-hmm. And so you can take any type of information and correlate it to each other and say, of course, that there's a direct correlation. You can take crimes where there was maybe, you know, cannabis involved. Maybe somebody was actually robbing a house, had no idea that there was cannabis in the house. But because when they went to go rob the house, there was cannabis there and the cannabis was stolen. Then all of a sudden it becomes a crime that's based upon the cannabis. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Um, so I think that a lot of times that's what happens is that, you know, there's cannabis involved in the situation some way, somehow. And then that becomes the, the main the main reason why it happens. 
I don't believe that there's any more of a correlation between cannabis and crime as there is with much more deadly and price, you know, uh, pricier type of um, drugs. Because uh, mm -hmm. I won't even say cannabis is a drug. It's medicine to me. It's a plant. But when you get into, you know, your meth and you get into your pills mm -hmm. and you get into your heroin and uh, your cocaine and, and those things that we know are proven to be unhealthy and dangerous to our society, that's where the correlation really becomes relevant. I personally have, I have not seen a lot of crime that consists solely around cannabis um, or that's a derivative of cannabis. I will admit to when dispensaries first started and, th and this was before they really started to become regulated and the state you know, running them, there were instances where individuals did rob you know, some of the dispensaries. But those were individuals that had something to do within that dispensary usually. So those yeah. are people that no matter what, you couldn't put them in a bank, you couldn't put them in a grocery store, you couldn't put them in anything, they probably would try you know, to steal. Though, you know, those are the only instance, that's the only instance that I can say of personally that I know of where I would say there was a direct correlation. Other than that, I really believe it's just someone wanting to prove their point and they're kind of taking roundabout information and then making a correlation. And then they're going here, these are the statistics. I think that especially now, because there are 20 states that are, you know, legalized, looking at those states over the next probably five to seven years are really going to be able to help dictate whether there is a direct correlation um, because you have so many legal storefronts, you have delivery services, um, you know, you have people that are growing their own because, you, you know, you legally can grow up to a certain amount. I think that it, it'll kind of flesh itself out whether there is a true correlation between crime and cannabis with, like I said, within the next five to seven years. I'm going to get a little political. Uh, I try to not get too deeply political, but uh, how much do you feel the, the, you mentioned big pharma, which is something I think about personally a lot uh, mm -hmm. when it comes to uh, anything in the political realm. Uh, how much do you feel that uh, big pharma is doing what it can to prevent the legalization because they have their own methods mm -hmm. of dealing with pain, with multiple sclerosis, mm -hmm. with uh, all these different things that the cannabis uh, that you've personally testified here can be of benefit to. How big of a hand do you think they have in keeping it from becoming legalized in the remaining 30 states? I think that they don't have a, as big as a stronghold as they did, I would say, probably you know three to five years ago. Mm -hmm. um, with more people understanding and starting to benefit from the use of the plant in some form, whether it be CBD or THC or both, um, I, they're losing, you know, they're losing their, their uh, stronghold. Now, of course, they are, I'm sure they're still flinging money around, you know, in certain jurisdictions, which are kind of helping. The fact that they're jumping onto the bandwagon and they're starting to try to process their own, you know, products mm -hmm. that are cannabis-based, that says a lot. You know, that definitely says that they're kind of throwing up their hands a little bit. They're giving in just a bit. Um, now, the reason for that is, of course, the same reason why Big Pharma is Big Pharma, for the money. Yeah. They see the money. They, they don't want to miss out on any of it. So, of course, they're going to start to try to, you know, jump in on the bandwagon. But the, the, the difference is going to be is that if we are able to help everybody that's in the industry now and that's in the industry to help you know people uh, medicinally 
and um, they're, they're doing it right. So those cultivators that are taking the time to cultivate, you know, really good product and those companies that their main focus is getting medicine in the hands of those that need it, they're going to have a very hard time coming in and taking over and, and being big pharma within cannabis. I don't think that's, you know, that's, that's not something that's going to be available for them. They're going to have to work alongside the industry. I don't think they're going to be able to take it over as, as they hope that they will. But I do think that they, they have a very, 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 uh, a big hand in the 30 states that still haven't become legalized yet. And that definitely has to do with politics, uh, you know, who's being paid, whose pockets are being lined. Um, that has to do with, you know, the beliefs of the, the citizens of those states, um, which then goes back to, you know, the political beliefs as well as their, you know, their faith. You know, I think kind of, that definitely plays a hand in that as well. But as more people become advocates, as there's more stories of young children benefiting from, you know, hemp, um, hemp seed oil or hemp oil or, you know, CBD oil, as there's more individuals that are living much better quality of lives and living longer lives, being, you know, diagnosed with cancer or something that they, you know, they thought they weren't going to be able to live through. As more of these testimonies and these stories of, of success, um, you know, come up, you know, like I said, their, their opportunity to be involved and to influence those states are going to be just become, you know, less and less until they're just minute. I've noticed the, the trend you mentioned three to five years. Uh, it's been, it's, it's really kind of flipped on its, and I actually, it might've been just longer period of time. It just, uh, it's just accelerated. It seems like in yes. the last five or so years where people have come to realize that, uh, and I think it's because somebody finally chose to legalize and study and analyze mm -hmm. what, uh, what the impact is. And so they can share their findings with everybody else. That's always been curious, uh, but have never really had the ability to find out. And now we do. And like you said, I think the, the, the science is now bearing out, uh, what the propaganda couldn't hide anymore. Yes. Uh, and that's, I think just because there's been so many, uh, so many folks on at this point now, both sides of the political spectrum that have recognized the power of giving of, of something very natural, uh, mm -hmm. something that can yeah. that people can take care of themselves and uh, and keep out of uh, and, and basically self empower. Uh, yes. their, their own healing, which, uh, which who wouldn't want to be for that? Uh, it, it, yeah. it'd, be, it'd be political suicide to say, no, I don't want you, I don't want to give you the means to take care of yourself. Exactly. There's, so, there's so many opportunities and so, well, there's so many, you know, different uh, times that we do kind of have that taken away from us. Health and, and somebody living a quality of life that they, like I said, deserve and that they see for themselves, that shouldn't be in someone else's decision. So like you said, it, it provides the empowerment for people to say, you know what, I can do this for myself. You know, the research is there. You know, it's very easy. It's a plant. It's very easy to understand, you know, what, what you're getting there. You're not being worried about, well, I'm taking this pill, which is going to lead to me taking another pill because that's going to lead to another issue. And then that's going to lead to another pill because that's going to lead to another issue, which is, you know, the process for so many people that are that utilize big pharma versus being able to say, well, I know that indicas and CBD works great for me. So let me go ahead and, you know, medicate with those. Like I said, it, it, like you said, it's very empowering. It, it definitely provides a, um, 
just a sense of control that you lose when you do find yourself diagnosed with an ailment, um, something that's not curable, or even if it's just a short-term you know, uh, issue, it really provides you that sense of control that so many of us feel like we lose. I fully agree with that. So tell us a little bit more. I know you have a podcast and, yeah. uh, and uh, tell me a little bit more about, uh, about where people can find out uh, more information about you personally and, uh, and what you do offer. Well, great. Thank you. So um, as part of my brand, which is Menage, or what, well, my, my podcast is Menage with the Mary Jane Maven, but my brand is the Mary Jane Maven Cannabis Wellness and Education Lifestyle Brand. What I do is provide educational services. I put on events um, that I, you know, I say they are specially, carefully cultivated uh, cannabis events um, that always provide edutainment, which is, of course, education and entertainment combined. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is my podcast. I wanted to be able to have a platform where I can share the, the successful stories, where I can share the individuals that are getting into the industry as an entrepreneur, where I can share the new findings, where, you know, just like I said, educating and spreading the word so that we can educate, eradicate, and elevate through cannabis. Menage with the Mary Jane Maven is a podcast that I put on once a week. Um, It is a live podcast and I am on all platforms. So anywhere that you enjoy your podcast, that's where you can find me as well as YouTube. Um, And I do have my YouTube channel, which is Menage with the Mary Jane Maven Um, on all social media. I'm most prevalent on um, Instagram. You can find me at the Mary Jane Maven. And um, it's spelled just a little bit differently. It's M-A-R-I-J-A-Y-N-E. That's Mary Jane and Maven is M-A-V-E-N. But you can find me, Google me there, um, you know, bring up my website. It'll bring up any, you know, it's, it's weird to Google yourself and you come up. So I'll just say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You Google the Mary Jane Maven and you'll be able to find me. Uh, like I said, on all social media platforms, please join us on my live podcast. Um, every Wednesday, we go live at between 8.45 and 9 o'clock p.m. It kind of depends, you know, when I can get the kiddos down um, and, and get everything situated. And, you know, we have guests that, like I said, that highlight their stories, um, you know, I'm a pop culture lover, so we'll maybe talk about pop culture, talk a little bit about music. Um, and we just really, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle podcast that is elevated through the use of the power flower, as I'd yeah. like to call it. Uh, so yes, and if anybody's interested in, you know, any educational services, um, I do brand education. I work with, you know, certain companies and I help to you know, get their, um, the name and the information about their products out there. So I provide brand awareness as well. Um, you know, you can get in contact with me. Excellent. And educate, you did. Uh, I learned a few things myself. I'm hoping uh, some of the folks listening have as well. So thank you so much, Mary Jane, for coming on the show and giving us a, a side that uh, that those of us, uh, at least me here in Kentucky, where nothing is legal yet except tobacco growth, of course. Um, and you guys do have to b- grow really good hemp there, though. <laughs> we do. Really we do. We, good, that yeah. has been, that's been allowed. Uh, I, I know for a fact that uh, there are plenty of people stumping 
for it to be legalized here. And uh, I know there's plenty of uh, people ready to open their dispensaries the second it happens too. Oh so. yeah. I mean, just think uh, <laughs> economically what it can do. You oh, know, absolutely. It it's it's um, been a boon for the, I've noticed for the states that uh, were the first ones to oh, legalize yeah. it, Colorado and Washington, uh, you hear nothing but uh, but uh, record profits, record increase of, uh, of infrastructure spending as a result. Yes. And yes. Uh, it's just, it just seems like an intelligent thing to do. And, it does. Uh, and I know uh, I live here in Kentucky, so I can say this, but we're not known for our intelligent things that we do, <laughs> but uh, other than bourbon and, and horse racing, <laughs> but uh, I'm hoping they get on that. the ball. Yes. Add him to that. Cause let me tell you the bourbon. Yes, definitely. <laughs> that is the only bourbon that, that I could even think about drinking. Um, but yes, that yeah, just add the, the hip to it and, you know, allow it to, you know, be something that can help some people to build some generational wealth as well. You know, exactly. somebody, you know, starts growing it and, you know, can pass it down to their children. And, you know, it could really help to improve the infrastructure of America and in our economical system, especially in this last year. We've taken such a huge hit. Um, True. You know, thanks to the good old coronation, as I like to call it. <laughs> we were all placed on. But yes, thank you so much. Um, I really do appreciate it. I'm glad that we were able to connect and uh, collaborate. And um, if you're ever interested, I would love to, you know, have you on my podcast and, you know, and we can talk about some good old stuff. We can talk about Kentucky. You can inform me about that. <laughs> uh, when we do something noteworthy, I will. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Other than play basketball too. I mean, we got that. Hey, that's also my team. That's, that's who, that's who we watch, you know. Uh, oh, excellent. My husband. Yeah. Husband's, uh, <laughs> will be a, will be a D1 college coach one day. And so we were really big into college um, basketball, but. Yes. Hey, I can bring you on. We could talk about that. There you oh. go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you once again. Oh, thank you, Mary Jane. And uh, now I issue, as always, a challenge to our listeners. If you also have a subject that you're passionate about, like Mary Jane here, and you can speak with some authority on it, you're not afraid to tackle some tough questions that may come your way, then I'd like to talk with you here on, on Unsensitive. Just reach out to me through the Fearscape Media Network or directly to me at rayrobwrites at gmail.com and make Maybe you'll be the next one here in the hot seat. A special thanks to Ben Sounds for the use of the song Happy Rock. And of course, the fine folks at Fearscape for giving me a venue. And thank you for listening to Unsensitive. We'll talk again soon. And until then, keep that mind open. <laughs>